Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I think the first creative piece that I ever created, I must have been, well, I don't know, seven or eight years old. And I wrote a little story on, it was a, I don't even know what the program was. It was some, what they would refer to as a word processing program on an IBM. I think it was an XT computer with like a black and green screen, you know, before it was color screens. And I remember sitting there typing out, it was a little story and my mom printed it out on, we had one of those old school dot matrix printers with the, you know, the printer paper with the holes on the side that used to make horrible noise. And I remember her printing this out and she kept it for years. I, I actually, I would love to know if she still has it. But I remember creating that. It was a short little story about a cowboy something, had a horse, and I, I don't remember what the story was. But I remember creating that and thinking, like, I made this thing. And it, that, I guess, that fascination or that interest in using, as you say, a piece of technology or whatever technology I had around me, um, be it a keyboard, you know, a music keyboard or a guitar or, or some sort of recording device, how do I make something with this that is... You know, it doesn't have to have any value. It was, it was just the process of creating um, was, was always something that, that fascinated me. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Ross, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it is my pleasure to have you here. I found out about you by way of your publicist uh, who told me that you had basically made a career out of origami. And uh, about nine years ago, Simon Sinek once told me my why was that I was obsessed with people who are good at unusual things, which I thought sounded nonsensical at the time. And then when I looked back at all the people we've interviewed, I thought, yeah, that makes a complete sense. <laughs> and so when I saw your pitch, I thought to myself, yep, this is somebody who's very good at something very unusual and made a career out of it. But before we get into all of that, I wanted to start asking you, where were you born and raised and what impact did that end up having on what you've ended up doing with your life and your career? Hmm, two very separate answers, I think, there. But um, I'm from South Africa. I was born in, in South Africa. Um, grew up in Johannesburg, which is uh, sort of one of the biggest cities in, in South Africa itself. And 2010, I moved, well, I studied, did a whole bunch of things up in, in Johannesburg. And 2010, I moved down to Cape Town, is, and that's where I live at the moment. Hmm. And I guess growing up, I was, you know, just a dude doing his thing and trying to work out who he is. Um, and origami rocked up. It just kind of arrived randomly. It's not, I mean, I'd love to say that I had this, you know, this idea to, you know, one day become this paper artist or whatever. It's like, no, I've done so many things in my life. Um, it was just a piece of paper that I had in front of me. Uh, my brother asked me to learn how to fold an origami crane, which is like the sort of standard um, origami piece that people learn when they're starting out. I did that in 2002 and yeah, just haven't really stopped since. Mm. You know, there are a couple of things I wonder about, particularly being raised in South Africa, because I think I've had one or two South African guests and I'm not sure how old you are, but uh, I'm curious if you grew up post or pre-apartheid. 
Uh, I'm 40 years old. So I was, I was born, I guess, in apartheid, but it wa- I was still young enough for it to not have, I say not have, not have affected me. It's, it's just, I was, I was too young to really understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I guess, in 1994 when, um, you know, when, when it was abolished and, uh, the whole sort of structure of, um, South Africa, I guess, changed. Well, the, it was the beginning of the change, mm-hmm. uh, for the better. Um, I was, I was, I guess, 12 years old. So, you know, only then did I realize like, okay, well, there was something kind of different, um, going on here that I, I didn't realize. And, and then later on, you know, going into my teens and, and especially in my twenties, it became quite apparent that, you know, what did happen in this country many years ago, um, was just, yeah, just inhumane and, and just not cool at all. So, and being a white South African male, you know, it's, it was kind of, it's difficult. It's difficult to admit that you know you were stereotypically part of that, although you didn't have a clue. As I say part of it. I, you know, I was just, I was just a kid growing up in in this place that I was completely oblivious to what was going on, mm-hmm. and I couldn't re- couldn't really have done anything about it when I was when I was younger. But I grew up in a family that was very accepting of. You know, they didn't make a point of, you know, explaining to us what, when I say us, my brother and sister and myself, that uh, things were different. It just, you know, we just went on and accepted people for who they are. And I think I'm quite grateful to my parents for that because they, they just allowed us to make our own choices. It was never like, oh, you know, what kind of people are you hanging out with or uh, that sort of thing. And um, yeah, I think as a result of that, just made it easier for, for me to understand what was really going on. Yeah. Did you have friends who uh, weren't white when you're growing up, like during the apartheid period? I'll tell you a very interesting story. So there's a very famous, uh, a big sport in this country is is rugby, Mm -hmm. which um, is, I guess, like your American football. And the the very first um, person of color, uh, I'll, I'll never forget this day. I was standing in, I was going into grade, what was that? It was 94, I guess, grade six. And we, it had just been, you know, the, the change of the, the whole kind of climate. And it was now the schools were accepting people of color and uh, kids across the board. So it, it, it wasn't really a thing anymore. Not, not like we got told, okay, look, there's going to be people that are a little bit different. It just sort of happened. And I remember standing at the back of um, the queue going into my first class and there was, um, uh, this guy introduced himself to me. His name is Brian, uh, who, Brian Abana. And Brian Abana was um, a colored guy from uh, one of the sort of suburbs in, uh, in, in Johannesburg. And he was the first friend I made that was part of that whole, I guess, you know, me making friends with someone that wasn't, uh, wasn't, wasn't a white uh, person. And him and I stayed friends for years and he became like a very famous rugby player. But that was my first interaction or my first, I guess, um, yeah. I, I, yeah, interaction with, with someone of, of color at school. And it's not like I was like, oh, well, I, I don't remember th- thinking, okay, this is kind of strange. I was just like, this is just another kid. I mean, mm. I was a kid. It was, um, yeah, it, it wasn't really a thing. Um, but looking back, it was, it was a big, I think for my parents and the, the adults around us, it must've been quite a big deal because, you know, how do you navigate that? You know, how do you, how do you understand what's going on? It's like, no one really, there's no rule book for it. It's like, these people that have been suppressed for so long and separated, we now have to bring them together. You know, what does that look like? How do we, how do we, um, navigate through this? Um, and we, and this country is still trying to do it. And, um, but yeah, that was, that, I guess, my first interaction and, and memory of that. Yeah. Give us a glimpse of what apartheid was like for people who have only sort of seen it probably through media or, you know, heard about it in books or, you know, seen movies like Invictus. Uh, what was day-to-day life like during apartheid? Um, you know, for, for me, like I said, I was, I was very young. Um, I, I can't say I really remember. I mean, I only know from, you know, from the media again, from, mm-hmm. from what we've been shown, um, and stories I've heard and, and just the way, I guess the way people react, cause it wasn't this, it wasn't this like change in, okay, well, we are now all supposed to integrate and, uh, you, ha- you have all these, I mean, we, we are referred to as the rainbow nation. So we have multiple, I think we have 11 official languages. 
And that comes with different cultural differences. And, you know, you can't just throw that number of cultures into the same place and expect everybody to get on. It's, it's, it just doesn't work. Mm. Um, so I guess growing up, it was, it was, wasn't very, um, I guess apparent that these things were going on, but, you know, as, as we, we, well, I guess as I got older and I started noticing, okay, well, clearly it was a big deal. And you could see that the, the way that the, the, um, as a, as a child, I was quite aware of what was going on. I could see when, you know, when the mood in the room changed and, uh, you know, I'm, I guess a sensitive, creative person. So I kind of just aware of what's going on around me. Um, I, I'd noticed that certain, uh, adults would, uh, you know, adults of color would look at me as like, okay, well, I come from, I'm a, being a white South African, you know, it's like my father was potentially, well, he's, is a white South African, but you know, it's like, they, they would look at you slightly differently. Um, and I, I, you would feel that and you would, it would be, uh, you know, you didn't understand why, but, and then, you know, hopefully the, the people that you did interact with were, I guess, accepting of the situation. They were like, well, this is just a kid. I mean, can't really blame him because of the color of his skin for what uh, the people who were the same color as him did many years ago to, to oppress people like us. So yeah, I guess it was, I think for my, for my parents, it must have been very different. Um, my grandparents, they were in the thick of it and it was also at the time, but you know, later on in life, you hear the stories that no one really, um, was, they, they were very much against it. But again, you know, if you're a family and you're against something, what do you do? Do you just go and stand up against the government? Do you go and, you know, uh, walk around just telling everyone that they're wrong and, and trying to change things. There were people that did that. And, you know, it's easy to just, uh, to, to say that, you know, th this isn't the way that things should have gone or shouldn't have been, but to do something about it, very few people actually do something. So it's kind of like, well, you know, there's not too much we can do about it. Support where we can, uh, help out where we can and, uh, and just, yeah, just try and be a good human being, I guess. Yeah. Is South Africa polarized in the way that the United States is? I mean, here in the U.S., slavery ended well over 100 years ago, but we still have plenty of racism and our country is probably more polarized than it's ever been. And yet you have got this just melting pot of cultures. I know this because South Africa has tons of Indians as well. Um, some of them have been mm -hmm. our podcast guests and I've had family members who you know, worked in South Africa and lived there. Uh, is the political landscape as polarized as it is here? Oh, man, I want to say no, but it's, it's again, it. it I think it's going to take a long time for for the cultures to blend. I think in certain areas, I think in the in the bigger cities, uh, everyone's kind of getting on, um, and or at least trying to get on. And it, it's not this this whole, I guess, attitude of well, we need to get on now, and you know, we we need to be friends because that's I guess what everybody wants, and everybody wants to get on. But it, it's just it, it comes down to education, you know. It, it comes down to and and the I guess the 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 new, the, the younger generation or the, the people that are younger now don't even really see it. It's kind of like, well, you know, you're going to schools where there's people from all over the place. And, um, I think parents are very conscious of the fact that you, if you point, if you're pointing at it, if you're saying, well, you know, this person is a different color to you, they have a different, uh, attitude towards culture and different, if, if you keep pointing out the differences, there are always going to be differences and there was always going to be some form of segregation in the person's mind. So I think a lot of the people that, you know, that I speak to are very conscious of it. Um, and that's on a sort of very micro level, but on a macro level, there is a massive separation in some parts. There's still mm -hmm. small towns where you go to and, and uh, you can feel the racism and, 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 and it's, I'll be honest. I mean, sometimes it's embarrassing being, being a white person because you're kind of like, well, you know, you're part of the team that did a lot of damage many years ago. And uh, how do you expect us to react to you? And I feel that I, I definitely feel not, not in, like I say, not in the big cities, but, um, some parts of the country that I go to, I, I, yeah, I feel like an outsider, which, you know, take it back 50 years. I'm sure that's exactly what they felt like. Yeah. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic, ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget. Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Well, speaking of education, uh, what was the narrative around your household about making your way in the world because I don't think origami artist is on the list of potential career paths for <laughs> probably anybody. Right at the bottom of the list. Oh man, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to work out how it all happened, but I don't think I, I didn't do very well at school. I, I think I had some form of ADHD or, uh, you know, concentration issues or I don't know. I, I, I wasn't really diagnosed with it, but Everything that everyone else was doing and everything that everyone else thought they were supposed to be doing and were doing, I just, I couldn't understand and I couldn't, uh, you know, just blend in. I was, I was a different kid. I was, I was always telling weird jokes and I had a computer in front of me since I was a sort of six or seven years old. So that I found, I guess, some, some sort of, um, comfort in that because I was just feeding the computer information and I was getting, uh, you know, what I wanted back from it. But dealing with people, it was it was kind of different. But growing up, my parents just always, uh, I guess, if I was into, you know, making music, which I, I loved, I played guitar for many years, um, or sitting in front of the computer for hours at, hours at a time, or whatever, any, anything that I was um, interested in, my, my parents always supported it. And there was no, until the one day I wanted to go to uh, film school. <laughs> that, that was the, my, I think my, my dad comes from a, a conservative background. He's a very smart man and he, but very structured in his, in his approach to life. And 
I remember I wanted to go to film school. I just finished school. I flunked my first year of, of university or, or college, I, I think um, is what they call it in the States. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I was studying business management. And so I was just trying to, I just did it because, you know, I was told this is what you do after school, after high school. And I've met a friend who showed me um, a whole bunch of these cool movies and films. And I had, you know, I'd, I'd been messing around with uh, just, I guess, it, creating content way before content was a thing, you know, making little um, animations in a flip book or writing little songs or just random stuff. And most of it was centered around um, the computer. So whatever I could do with a computer, I would try and make things with it. Um, and I thought film school would be a good idea. So that was the only time I really, I guess, challenged my father. I said, look, dad, I want to go study um, film. And this was in, I guess, 2002. And that was before, before, I mean, the internet had just become like a popular thing before Facebook, before content creation was everything, before, you know, the uh, film industry, which in, in South Africa at the moment is, is a big deal. There's a lot of people coming out here to film. So it was, it was just at the beginning of it. Uh, and I, he just said, mm -mm, not going to happen because he was paying. And I was like, you know what, dad? Okay. I'll go do something else. And I <laughs> ended up going to hotel school for my sins of all things in all places. Um, and I'd completed that degree just to, I guess, prove to myself and to my father that I could actually complete something because it, it would have been the first thing that I actually stuck out and completed successfully, which I did. But all the while I was still doing creative stuff on the side. Um, so where the origami thing came in, my brother, as I mentioned, my, my brother had a project going on, um, when he was at, uh, he was at design school and he had to create, um, a project where he got a small piece of something that was created by each person in his family. And he asked me to learn how to fold an origami crane of all things. I have no idea why he asked me to do it. He's like, just fold a paper bird. So I found, I think I found instructions in a book, um, and folded that. And I just, for some reason, just did not stop. Whenever I had a square piece of paper in front of me or a beer bottle label, that was my thing. I used to drink, if I had a beer in front of me, I'd tear the label off, tear it into a square and fold a little origami paper crane. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where the, the fascination started. But I mean, the going forward, it, it took a long time before it actually started becoming something that I knew I had an aptitude for and I knew I was interested in. Yeah. You know, that instinct to create, uh, you mentioned that you know, when you had a computer, your sort of instinct was, what can I make with this? And that's funny because you and I share that. Like anytime I see new technology, my first thought is what can I make using this um, yeah, rather exactly. than thinking how could I you know commercialize this in some way where does that come from for you oh man I I think the first creative piece that I ever created I must have been oh I don't know seven or eight years old and I wrote a little story on it was uh, I don't even know what the program was, it was some what they would refer to as a word processing program on an IBM, I think it was an XT computer with like a black and green screen, you know, before it was color screens. And I remember sitting there typing out, it was a little story and my mom printed it out on, we had one of those old school dot matrix printers with the, you know, the printer paper with the holes on the side that used to make horrible noise. And I remember her printing this out and she kept it for years. I, I actually, I would love to know if she still has it. But I remember creating that. It was a short little story about a cowboy something had a horse and I, I don't remember what the story was but I remember creating that and thinking like I made this thing and it, that I guess that fascination or that interest in using as you say a piece of technology or whatever technology I had around me um, be it a keyboard you know a music keyboard or a guitar or, or some sort of recording device how do I make something with this that is you know, it doesn't have to have any value. It, it was just the process of creating um, was was always something that that fascinated me. Um, yeah, and I've just been doing that since. Well, talk to me about origami in particular because it's such a you know unusual art form. Like I said, I mean that's what intrigued me. I thought, okay, here's somebody who's good at something you know somewhat unusual. Uh, I would have never imagined somebody could make a career out of it, but uh, it just seems like the process of uh, making origami 
things is just something very detailed. There's something about it that seems almost meditative. Describe that process to me. Like you have this piece of paper and then you turn it into something. Obviously, the crane, I think, is the first thing that any of us sees. Um, I think I the only thing I ever managed to successfully make was a cube. <laughs> hey, that's pretty advanced, actually. Um, I guess a paper jet is where a lot of people start. And you don't really consider that origami, but essentially it is. It's Ori means to fold and kami or kami. Uh, comes from the Japanese word, which means paper. Um, and essentially it is taking a piece of paper, generally a square sheet, usually the size doesn't matter, but generally origami sheets are, I guess, 15 by 15 centimeters, I guess like six, six by six inch. And mm-hmm. just using folds, no glue, no scissors. Although some people do use scissors, but that's, that's a completely different art form. Essentially yeah. uh, using the uh, folding techniques, different techniques that you, that you can apply and learn, uh, which can be applied to, you know, many other things, anything that can fold essentially. Um, and then knowing design techniques and, uh, I guess the process of it, uh, you can pretty much fold or create anything that, uh, that you allow your mind to, to come up with. Um, and yes, meditative. Absolutely. Uh, I also see it for me, I love, I, adore puzzles i love i really really do and um you know like whether it's a rubik's cube or a riddle or uh, a game where i have to solve whatever it is it's i guess i think i realized lately that uh, origami is that thing because origami is like well the puzzle is how do i take this square sheet of paper using only folds to create something that is whatever a duck a rabbit a mountain a motorbike whatever um and that i think is in that process is there's something very special for me. And I think, you know, you could probably ask any artist, it's the same thing. They have a pencil and a piece of paper. And once you lock into that flow state, you just release and it just, it just all, all comes out. Um, having said that the origami design, I think what uh, the, the favor I did myself was because I was so interested in it. And again, I never really thought, okay, cool. I want to become this origami artist. I mean, even when I say it now, it's kind of weird, <laughs> but I think it was, I knew that if I wanted to do this more regularly because it made me feel good and I, I really enjoyed it and I, I think I had, you know, an understanding of it, I had to learn how to design origami figures. Now, or folding origami, you know, seeing a tutorial online or finding something in a book and folding that, whatever it is, some design that somebody else has come up with and designing your own origami, those are two completely separate avenues that it moves essentially from, I guess, an art form into something a bit more, um, of an engine into an engineering or, or technical space. And mm-hmm. me being the technical, I guess, having the technical mind that I do, being able to code, uh, working with a computer for as long as I have been, um, and solving puzzles, I think that that was just the right combination of like, well, origami is just the manifestation of all that, which is, you know, creatively coming up with uh, an idea. Cool. I want to create a paper donkey or paper dragon. Uh, here's the limitation. So there's the puzzle, which you have a piece of paper and you can only use these techniques, which is folding uh, and see how close you get. And there's different techniques. I learned um, many different design techniques uh, from origami artists around the world. There's a, there's a very famous origami artist who's actually a Swiss South African guy who I met right at the beginning of my origami journey. And that to me was just, that was some divine intervention that happened there. I just happened to meet him. I stayed in touch with him. He taught me everything he knew. And he, at the time, he was like the rock star origami artist, uh, a guy named Sipo Mabona. And we became good friends. And every time I had a technical question, questions that I couldn't find answers to, because the origami community is, I mean, you don't have a lot of origami artists around the world. And I had very specific questions because I could see that he'd created something. And I'm like, how do I do that? And instead of having to work through it and take months or weeks to, to try and work it out. I'd be like, Hey man, I saw you did this thing. How did you do that? And he would literally just, you know, jump onto a call with me or point me in the right direction. So for me, that was an indication that like, look, you've got this connection, you have some sort of understanding of it. So let's just see how far you can take it. And that, that was the beginning of that for me. Yeah. What, does a practice look like for somebody who is an origami artist? Like, what is the process of getting better at this look like? Because I think, you know, most of us see this. I saw the things on your Instagram and I thought to myself, how in the hell is any of this possible? 
with a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, I still look at that stuff sometimes. I'm, I'm like, wow, how does that even happen? But I guess the, the process, it's just, I guess it's like anything, you know, you, you learn the basics, you learn from the masters, uh, you see what's possible in terms of, well, you know, you've got larger pieces of paper, which can form, you know, much more intricate designs. Uh, but then you start with the stuff that I guess makes sense to you, the, 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 uh, designs and, um, and the artists that you can see are a little bit easier for you to imitate. And once you get good at imitating what they do, then you slowly start adjusting things and, you know, taking references from, oh, well, I like what he did with the shape of this origami dog's body. Um, I know how to get that technique, but how do I turn that origami dog into an origami, um, I don't know, dragon, for example. I need to add wings. I need to, a lot of the time it's getting something that's already pretty close to it because you have, I don't want to get too technical with it, with the whole process of it, but you start with a square and then you fold that square into uh, what you refer to as the base. And the base has in the right, uh, I guess, in the right order and with the right proportions, it has different appendages, which you refer to as flaps. And each of those flaps represents a different part of the animal. So for example, if you fold, uh, the best way to explain it is if you're looking at a, a lion or a bear that's been... Um, hunted and you've just got the, the bare skin on the ground. Uh, if you had to take a square piece of paper and put it directly on top of that bear, you'd have the head at the top, the two front paws and legs spread out, the back in the middle, uh, hind legs with a, with a small tail. And those proportions are directly transferable to a, if you know how to do it, of course, into folds on onto a square sheet of paper. And those, those sort of axial lines that, that refer to, you refer to them as um, axis lines. Uh, those become, I guess, the starting points of the base of what you want to design. So once you know how to create a base for anything and change the number of appendages, maybe like, I don't know, you want to turn a bird into a Pegasus. It makes more sense to do that because a Pegasus or Pegasus is, you know, a bird with four legs because it's already got wings, it's got a head and it's got a tail. So yeah, and you kind of, that's just how I've thought about it. I'm there are hundreds of ways. I mean, I'm, I'm by no means the mathematical uh, or extremely technical type of origami artist. Some people are able to look at uh, diagrams and draw very specific uh, diagrams in computer programs, which there are computer programs which aid origami design. And they can, to like the very, very small points and degrees, know exactly where they need to make the next fold. And I'm just not like that. <laughs> I've tried to learn how those artists do that kind of work. And I just, I, it, it becomes too technical for me. And I, I think because I just enjoy the process more than uh, what I actually create. A lot of the designs I create, I end up throwing away. I, I mean, I tell my mom that sometimes. And she's like, no, you shouldn't throw them away. It's like, it's precious, it's art. I'm like, well, the art for me is actually creating the thing. Um, mm. So there's many, many ways to create. It's It's like anything. It's many ways to, you know, to build a building or, sculpt a, a sculpture, but I just found that, you know, the process that I use is find a reference, use it, uh, up until it's like, okay, cool. I understand how to get to this point. How do I take it from here to where I need to get it to? Mm -hmm. Hi, I'm Daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter. It's innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like, what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. So even when you do things as complex as making an origami Hummer, is that all done with just one piece of paper? Yeah, so uh, the are you referring to the Hummer that you saw on yeah. Instagram? Yeah, so that, uh, we'll get into that. <laughs> That's not actually origami. That's a whole okay. AI mixture of origami, yeah. But essentially, um, those designs that you saw uh, are definitely possible. So how you would start that is, you know, you'd uh, basically just, it wouldn't, essentially that would be a different process entirely because it's it's a lot more geometric, it's a lot more structured and a bit more solid. Mm-hmm. So maybe taking something that looks kind of like a car uh, you know, there must be at least 10 to 50 designs of origami cars. Taking that design and then, okay, cool, how do I expand out? How do I get the wheels? Um, how do I make the wheels fatter? How do I, you know, extend the body? How do I make doors? Uh, all possible and all possible from one single sheet of paper. I mean, if you see, you can do yourself a favor. If you're listening to this and you you don't believe what I'm saying, you go see some of the stuff people have made from single sheets of paper. It's, it's still, I, I see some of it and, and it blows my mind because I know, I know that it's possible because I've done things like that, but I still sometimes look at them at the designs and I'm like, how, how is this possible? Yes. It maybe has taken, you know, six months of design and that particular fold took 60 hours to fold. But the fact that it's just one piece of paper, um, is still to me is, is, um, is pretty mind blowing. You know, like as I'm listening to you describe this process, it it sounds to me like the entire process is an exercise in thinking of with constraints. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think and it's it's um I've been thinking a lot about the the constraints of origami. And I think that for me that is uh I don't want to say a true creative, but that for me is the kind of creative that I am. I'm someone who can look around and be like, okay, cool, we've only got that, that, and that. And I've applied that to all walks of, of my life. But how do I take that idea? I need to execute that. What do I have in front of me? And how do I get to where I need to go by using the tools that I currently have? And that has served me like really, really well because I can get, I, as, as a creator, as a content creator, I need to get, get stuff out quickly. I need to be able to conceptualize. Um, you know, shoot the animation, design the well, design the origami, 
make sure the client's happy with it, uh, send it to them, do a storyboard and all those things. It's like, what well, I'm limited to, okay, well, I can only design from a square sheet of paper. Uh, this is the corporate ID or this is the brand's messaging. I need to fold a dragon. These are the colors. This is the shape. And, you know, that's what I'm limited to. And I, I cannot veer from, from that um, or from those parameters. And origami is very much exactly that because it's, you start with one single square sheet of paper. You can use multiple sheets. I mean, there are people that do use uh, multiple sheets and it becomes like a modular origami thing, uh, which you can, that I guess becomes a bit more, uh, you can get a bit more detail with that. Um, but yeah, within those constraints, um, I find there's a lot of creativity that can happen. And I think a lot of creative people uh, think like that. Yeah. I think there is something beautiful about having constraints around whatever you're doing, because then you kind of, you know, are forced to work within them. And I think that forces you to think in different ways. So I wonder, like, how has this idea of thinking constraints uh, impacted your thinking in other parts of your life, like when it comes to your business, um, when it comes to, you know, the work you do and everything else? Yeah, so I I think that's, Knowing that I've been able to, it, it's still, it, it took me a while to realize, okay, cool. I can, I can do this thing that not too many other people can do. Um, and then I started thinking about what I didn't allow myself. One of the things I didn't allow myself to do was doubt myself. I just felt, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to try and attempt to do this thing. I'm not going to let what other people think or what other people tell me. I'm just going to create something and put it out there. And in doing that, that whole process of, creating, putting it out there, getting feedback. That that feedback loop was something that just became very valuable because especially with creating content that you're putting out online, I mean, you're only as good as your, only as good, I say that in, in inverted commas, as, as your last post. Uh, people only remember you for the last post you created. Um, but for me, it, and that became a big deal. It was like, I need to create the next thing that's going to, you know, that's going to make an impact or go viral or whatever the case is. But as soon as I dialed back and I was just like, look, let me just, focus on what I'm trying to do here um, and just get the thing out and then I can move on to the next thing. And in doing that, and also, you know, being a developer, I used to be a, a computer programmer. I used to work um, in advertising for many years, um, building websites and apps. And within the constraints of you've got this amount of time, these are the tools you have, you've got to get that website up by that day. And this is what you need to do and it needs to happen. So you know, getting forced into that situation, which I hated, it really did help me a lot because it taught me, okay, cool. Well, these are the constraints. These are the things that you can and can't do. You don't have a lot of time. The client is breathing down the, you know, the project manager's neck. So you need to get this, get this shit done as soon as possible. And learning to do that sort of stuff quickly and move on to the next thing, I think just helped with learning new software, um, connecting with people, uh, understanding who I am as a person. So, you know, just, and if you can take it all the way back to me understanding how to fold a square sheet of paper into a duck or a rabbit, I guess I've just learned how to do things quickly and as efficiently as possible. And, you know, the next iteration of what I'm going to create, I know I can do better because I'm just in that state. I, I, perfection to me does not exist. It's, it's like done is always better than perfect. Put it out there, get the feedback. If it's bad, you know, do better next time. If it's good, move on to the next thing. So yeah, I guess that's, that's just my process. And, and knowing that about myself and knowing how to use that as a, I guess, as a methodology, I, I feel I can learn things a lot quicker and I get things done a lot quicker as well. Let's talk about AI because um, I think that, you know, that was one thing that caught my attention when I looked at your Instagram feed was uh, your sort of use of AI to aid you in origami, which, you know, I would have never made the connection between those two things. Um, and it's funny because I'm right now working on an ebook uh, titled The Artificially Intelligent Creative, which is all about how AI can enhance our creative process. And it's been really kind of an interesting exploration of all the things that are possible. Uh, I think to me, yeah, the thing amazing. that is just beyond uh, brilliant is the fact that your technical knowledge is ceasing to be a limitation and your ability to express yourself creatively creatively yeah exactly and i think that 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 for someone who you know i clearly you you think similarly to me in that regard it's it's kind of like you've got these new tools and um it's it's just fun to create and make and see where it goes and it's it's 
I think you have to be quite uh, childlike in your approach because you're kind of like, wow, it's new, it's fun, let's just play with it, let's just see what happens because no one really knows what it is. Even the creators of these tools, they don't, they're creating this stuff and these, these, you know, these monster, you know, I guess, uh, ways and, and methods of creating things so quickly. Why are we doing it? <laughs> is it to, is it just because we need to create or is there some sort of, which a lot of people do think it's like, oh, it's the sinister, you know, we are, it's going to control everything and people are going to lose their jobs and whatever. But, you know, in the same way that uh, the camera, you know, did the camera get rid of many jobs? I don't know. They were like, it's, it's just about adjusting. It's about learning and understanding what these tools can do and applying them and putting them into your workflow and process. And that's, that's how I see it. That's how I try and, and teach other people to do the same. I've got a lot of hate. I mean, the, the last sort of five or six posts that I've put on Instagram, people are like, Hey man, followed you up until now and I'm done now. And I understand. I mean, I get it. They, they see it as, you know, there's, there's a whole uh, school of thought, I guess, that's saying that a lot of these AI tools have stolen from other artists and they generating things that are plagiarized. And I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but it's like, for me, it's, it, these are new tools. And like with anything, there is going to be some pushback. But I read a quote the other day that said, uh, hate or, or resisting technology doesn't uh, stop its progress. So you might as well just accept that this is the way things are going, learn how to use them, apply them into your, uh, into your workflow and, and just try to get better at what you're doing and just have fun with it because it is like, that's what they're there for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have been baffled by all the sort of fun things I could do. And this is one um, I haven't actually published this yet. But uh, my nephew, who was like three or four months old, every day I would sing, you know, 90s hip hop songs to him. And the song that made <laughs> him laugh the most was Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So just to, oh, wow. just yeah. for shits and giggles, I, I put Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, uh, the lyrics from the original song into chat GBT. And I was like, rewrite this as a song about a baby going to daycare because he was starting daycare when my sister was going back to work. And so it spit out a song called The Fresh Prince of Daycare. And I was like, you know what? What if I had, a, you know, I looked at these lyrics. I was like, I'm going to hire a freelance rapper to actually record this song for me. And I did. And my sister was like, this is amazing. And I was like, yeah, amazing. Like what 40 bucks and a bit of AI can do. Like it, it's this really cool sort of, you know, uh, idea of, you know, human AI collaboration. Um, I think when you combine human creativity with the capabilities of AI, you get some really interesting things. And then I turned it into an animated short, which I'm, I'm working on right now. Uh, but, you know, that kind of thing just wouldn't have even been possible a year or two ago. Uh, and that that's, you know, the way I see it. I'm just like, okay, Julian Smith, uh, who has mentored me and has been a former guest here, one of the things he'd said, said to me that always stuck with me about technology was he said, the question you have to ask yourself is what does this make possible that wasn't before? Yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, but yeah, I, I just wanted to jump in there. The fact that you've done that, that whole process is it's, it's amazing. It's like, and that is what people need to realize that you don't need to have, you know, even more so now you don't have to have that many skills. You just have to have an idea and, um, some sort of willingness to like, well, let's see if we can create, you know, a a, a brand new Fresh Prince of the Fresh Prince of Ballet rap song, yeah. and use this tech. And and I think the people that are having fun with it, like like you and I are, and many other many others are doing the same. Um, though it, it's us that are, you know, hopefully showing the rest of the the people that are, are a little bit, you know, apprehensive and a little bit like, whoa, not so sure about this. Um that it can be fun. And yes, is it going to replace jobs? Absolutely. Is it going to, you know, is it going to disrupt things? Yes. That's why these, that's, we, we need that. We need disruption because otherwise, I mean, what are we here for? Are we just going to hang around and do the same thing and, you know, post pictures of origami and, uh, you know, write books about the same thing. It's like, it, this has to change. And it's, it, I, I get so, so excited about what, what is coming and where we are now, because it, for me, it is just, it's, it's mind blowing to see particularly the rate at which things are being created and people that, which you wouldn't specifically class, everybody's creative. I mean, everyone has, you know, some sort of creative abilities, but the, the stuff that people are creating now, it's just like, wow, how did you even do that? And I see it. And instead of being intimidated by it, I'm like, I'm inspired by it. And I'm like, cool. How do I use that in my thing? 
there's a guy that I've I've recently linked up with on on Instagram, a guy named Manu, um, who is making amazing stuff and he's teaching people and his whole mission is just to teach people that like this is how you use this stuff. Mm-hmm. And him and I are collaborating on on some some virtual reality stuff. Um so, which is a world that I never imagined I would ever go into. And I was like, yeah, you know, he, do, he has these skills. Well, let's take your skills, my skills, put them in, you know, add some AI and see what happens. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy what's going on. Um, but, it, you know, based on what you're doing there, like doing the animation stuff. So I'm, I'm so um, intrigued as to what like that's going to look like already in my head. I'm like, oh, Fresh Prince of Ballet, animated short, you know, like that, adding a rapper to it. It's like this where that could go is is insane well i'll show it to you after we're done oh amazing i'd love to see it yeah i mean i that, that's one thing that caught my attention because i know that these are some of your latest posts like how have you been using it in uh your own process i saw that you had done that time-lapse video where you converted you know videos into uh images still images and then you're using stable diffusion and then you turned it into a, a, a time-lapse animation mm-hmm. yeah so again these i think because it's still quite new and I, the general public is, uh, it's all about chat GPT at the moment. So all these other tools, which, which are, you know, voice synthesizers and music makers and uh, image, text to image generators and video to video generators are, it's still very new and fresh for people. So what I'm trying to do is just see how I can apply it to what I've already done being origami and stop frame animation. Um, and how do I create something a little bit different and how do I speed that process up? Um, and for me, it, it's just idea generation is just, it it's happens in a 10th of the time that um, I would usually take a storyboarding, you know, like if I need to send an animation idea or a concept to a client, we'll chat over email, cool. So the piece of paper is going to slide in here and then this is going to happen. I actually posted something about it on Instagram. It's like, this is how I would do Story of an origami fox, you know, and he's traveling through. I found something on ChatGPT, told a little story, and I was able to put a storyboard together in under an hour, mm-hmm. which is unheard of. I mean, I, I would need to, firstly, you need to learn how to use Photoshop. You need to um, learn how to cut out images, very basic things, yeah. but that takes time. So if you don't have those skills, you don't need them now. Uh, if you have the idea, you just pretty much type, okay, cool. So if we have 10 frames or 10 key frames, mm-hmm. which are the main frames in an animation, uh, it goes from frame one, which is a blank frame of a forest. The next frame, a little fox walks in. Uh, you can use Dali or any text image generator and just type in a vector fox walking in from the left into the screen uh, in the style of, you know, mm-hmm. and in a, be it a vector style or you know, uh, without trying to plagiarize artists, you could choose Salvador Dali or... Um, Picasso or whatever. Yeah. Um, for me, because my art is quite uh, geometric, I just have to put in the style of geometry or, uh, you know, some sort of vector-based imagery. Um, and without having to know very many tools, you can create something that is uh, able to hand over to a client or hand over to anybody that you, you're now trying to explain an idea um, for whatever it can be an explainer video it can be a it can be a, a pitch for a for a animated series anything mm-hmm. and you can get that down in under an hour and send it to somebody and it's like okay well we like the way that this goes can you change this can you do that and then you're done and and usually that process would be weeks sometimes so for me that that, that that's how i'm using it and going forward um i i just i'm i'm just trying to show people as much as possible how you can use these tools because people are scared. I, I'm speaking to a lot of people. They go, "Oh man, you feeding the enemy. You, you know, you're teaching this machine how to do all this shit, and it's going to eat us up." I'm like, "You need to relax. You need to just learn how to use it and and try and move forward with your life." Yeah. No, I I, I have turned podcast transcripts into comic strips using these tools. Um, I think the 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 key observation uh, you know that you made was using these tools and applying them to the things that you're already doing. Uh, is really where it, it comes, what it comes down to. I think people don't realize, yeah, because to your point, like ultimately the most valuable thing any creator does is spend time creating. But for the final product, there's almost always all this ancillary work that needs to get done. Like writing a book is a perfect example of this, right? Like you need editing, you need proofreading, but really what counts is the writing. And this really frees you up to focus on the thing that produces the most value, which is the writing. Exactly. 
and people just don't, for some reason, they don't get it. it it's, I don't know. Look, it, it, like I said, there's going to be resistance. Um, there's always going to be resistance, but the sooner it be, be it a creative person, or even if you're a lawyer or a mathematician or a coder, I mean, I've, I've written pieces of code. I, if I want to, I literally created a web page, which was into chat GPT, I, I just wanted to see how quickly it could generate something that in my previous life, I know would have taken me a good part of half a day. Mm. I wanted to see, cool, how quick can this generate? It's like, cool, create a web page, which is a, a, a single page website with a home about contact <laughs> section and a, um, you know, with cl- uh, links at the top and it needs to be in a specific CSS style uh, and HTML5, blah, blah, go. And it spat that thing out in under 30 seconds. Yeah. I copied it. And just to test it, I copied the whole thing, plugged it into um, a, a text editor, loaded the website up onto a browser, and it was flawless. And I was just like, here we are. We are in the yep. future, ladies and gentlemen. This is just like, this is yeah. the way things are. And it, it's 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 crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 really, I, I think, you know, that at first people do very goofy things. I remember when I first saw Dolly, I just started, you know, putting in really stupid prompts to see what it came up with. And it wasn't until I started thinking about, you know, wait a minute, I could actually incorporate this into my blog posts and have illustrations to go along with it, uh, with my articles. It, that's when everything changed, when I started to actually see practical uses for it. Uh, and, you know, more and more, I just started documenting each of my practical use cases. And uh, even, you know, this book, The Artificially Intelligent Creative, I literally was using my note-taking app, Mem, which has an AI feature called Smart Write and Edit. and just you know, as an experiment, I was like, write a synopsis for a book called The Artificially Intelligent Creative. And it did. And I just had that note sitting there in my, uh, you know, notes for probably a good three weeks. Then one afternoon, I opened up the note and I was like, write a table of contents for this book. And I think that was about a week and a half ago. And I'm almost finished writing the entire book. Oh, man. Because I had so many notes on AI that I had taken. And, you know, it uses my own notes. So it doesn't sound like something that was written by a machine. Yeah, exactly. As as a matter of interest, what what is or who is that book aimed at? I mean, is is this just something that you want to get out there, or do you have a specific well, I, audience that you're trying to to? I guess. Well, I think that what I want to aim for really is creatives who want to use AI to enhance their creative process and to create things they couldn't before. Uh, you know, because like for example, as a podcaster, you know, like I've created probably a thousand episodes and the ability to repurpose that content at at scale in different formats, Mm -hmm. I think was what really was the big appeal to me because I thought, wait a minute, I could take all these and I can create animations. I can create, you know, um, comic strips because, you know, we did an animated series about five years back with a soul pancake, Rain Wilson's company. Mm -hmm. And at that time it was prohibitively expensive to do animation and incredibly time consuming. Now, to your point, I can take a transcript and put it into a tool like ChatGPT and say, okay, split this up into scenes for an animation um, with captions, you know, and suggested illustrations. I mean, even for the Fresh Prince of Daycare video, I literally had it give me what all the scene transitions should be based on the lyrics. Amazing. Yeah. And it breaks it down to like, cool, two seconds, three seconds, then it's this, then it's yeah. that. I've done, I've totally. done exactly the same thing. You can thing. get as detailed or as granular as you want. You know, that's the beautiful thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, I mean, again, my mind just races thinking like, what, you can do all this amazing stuff. No, I, I think that's the thing that people don't realize is the potential is limitless here. Yeah, exactly. I've got another question for you. If you were in my situation, so uh, somebody who's, I think there's a lot of people in, when I say my situation, someone who started early on Instagram, um, who built up a bit of a following in a very niche specific thing. And wanted to create or wanted to start a podcast of their own what advice would you have for that person well i think that um one is to focus specifically on a niche uh which i think you got nailed i wouldn't do interviews actually okay uh because i think the interview format is saturated Uh, and i think if you were going to do interviews i would bring a different spin to it like i've always wanted to do an interview style show and i've mentioned this before where instead of interviewing the person, I would tell a person's story by interviewing people they knew. Mm, that's a great idea. <laughs> when I was like, I don't have the editing skills for this, but I realize now that, you know, I have my amazing audio engineer. I could probably come to him with this. Um, another idea that I'm toying around with in terms of podcasts is um, I want to do a show called How They Met Each Other, um, which is all about couples meeting each other. 
And I already have a pilot kind of scripted and ready to go, which we might drop in a couple couple of weeks just as a test run. Because um, I, you know, starting another podcast was never high on my list of, of priorities. But that was one podcast that I was like, you know what, this would actually be a lot of fun. Yeah, sounds amazing. It's, it sounds fun. Yeah, I think I would go away from the standard formats that you see uh, and try to bring something very unusual to it, like just a different spin on any, anything out there. Yeah, that's that's some good advice. Yeah, I, I just think I mean, I was just thinking you could create a you could literally do a, an ebook or something like using <laughs> use all the AI tools available, tell a little story on how to mm-hmm. teach. Uh, yeah, I, I guess creatives or content creators on how to start a podcast. Anyway, it's just me throwing ideas around. But I I, I really <laughs> wanted to ask you that question. And that was some Yeah, the fact that you said don't just do interviews, because you're right, it's you do get valuable information from people and you do hear their story, but you can listen to, you know, one or two podcasts of somebody. I, I think I've listened to like Jamie Foxx being interviewed on, on more than one platform. The story is the same. Um, not taking yep. anything away from his, from him, his story is amazing, but it, it's kind of like it gets old. And that's why shows like um, Hot Ones or, uh, although that's not a podcast or, or even the Joe Rogan show, like they, they really get into the nitty gritty, although that's a very long format. but where there is something else going on and you don't really mm-hmm. have the specific like, okay, so wh- how did you, how do you get inspired or you, what, what, what was your yeah. process? Like that definitely comes up. So yeah, that was just a, a, a very specific question I had, but yeah, it's I- interesting. I mean, at the end of the day, I think that this is the thing that a lot of people miss is I, I've said this before that audio is an entertainment medium first and an education medium second. And people miss that, uh, you know, which is why you can't just take, you know, 10 tips on how to grow your Facebook following. That would be a mind numbing podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, the number of PDFs and, and, you know, links on how to do all that are a dime a dozen. Um, but also, you know, like speaking about just the, the, I guess the, the industry that you're in, like being podcast or a podcast is, uh, entertainment first and then education. I've recently come to realize that I thought, you know, I was an artist. I thought I was this person creating stuff and, you know, yeah, I'm an artist. I'm a creative and doing the thing, but I've realized I'm into, I'm in entertainment. I, I create little videos that I want people to sit and watch over and over again so that they feel something so that they may be educated in some way. I mean, with the AI stuff of that's what I've been doing. Um, and I think once you realize what industry you're in, because a lot of people, I heard this a while ago, a lot of people don't know what industry they're in and they don't really understand that, oh yes, okay, I'm, I'm a designer, but you actually are an educator or, you know, you're an author, but you're actually a researcher, whatever the case is. And I think once you, and I think that just takes a lot of time to be in doing whatever it is you're doing to, to come to that realization. And now recently for me, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm in entertainment and back all the way back to the beginning of what I said, where I wanted to go to film school, I'm kind of like, I've been making films because I know what a movie or a film or a short or episode of The Simpsons does to me. I want to be able to do that for other people. And I think I have been trying to do that in a short uh, 15 second, 15 to 30 second animation using paper and and stop motion animation with sound and adding a bit of humor to it. So yeah, I just, I thought I'd share that because um, I don't think people realize that they are in a specific industry. They think they're doing one thing, but when when you realize, hang on, this is actually what I'm doing. It becomes a lot easier for you to focus and also understand that, you know, this is coming from you and like, that's the only way as far as I'm concerned. Unless you're chasing the buck, which a lot of us are doing, but it's the only way or one of the sure ways. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. ...of continuing with whatever it is you're doing and staying inspired and staying creative is knowing what you're actually doing. Amazing. Well, this has been fascinating. Uh, I have one final question for you, mm-hmm. which is how we finish all of our interviews at the Unmistakable Creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Uh, I did think about this. <laughs> to me, it's someone that's taken the time to attempt to create something that is unique. And unique doesn't necessarily mean good or bad. It just means it. they, they have tried to create something that is different. Um, they've looked at everything around them and they're like, you know what, I'm just going to go and try and do this thing. Even if the public says, listen, that was absolutely horrible. Some people are going to like it. Some people are not. So it's for me, you know, creating something unique when I see something unique, even if it's weird, there's, there's, I get sent, I mean, we all get sent posts all the time about like, why is this person doing it? But if it makes you feel something or it makes you think a little bit, then it's unmistakably like that person that has taken the time an effort to create that thing. And for me, that's, that's pretty much what it is. Amazing. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share your story and your wisdom with our listeners. Where can people find out more about you, your work and everything that you're up to? Cool. Thank you, man. I, I really appreciate um, you having me on. Um, yeah. So my name is Ross Simmons and you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at white on rice. That's the brand that I have white underscore on rice. Um, white-onrice.com. Um, yeah, that's, I, I respond to all my messages, my DMs, my, as many messages as possible. So if you want to chat, if you want to talk creativity, AI, origami or anything, just hit me up. Amazing. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World, and this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.